Thank you, Penny. Very kind words. And I think kids, I think there's an amazing uh, bunch of people up the back waving, waiting for you to come and join them. Have an amazing time out there. Well, good morning, everyone. This is a first for me. It's a bit exciting. It's a great honour and privilege to be asked to share with you today. And uh, I thought we would start just by praying together. So, Father God, I just thank you for this opportunity to gather, to worship you, to centre ourselves in your presence. And I just pray, Holy Spirit, that you'll be with us this morning and that the words that I speak will, um, will just go forth with your anointing, that it will not be mine but yours, Lord. And we just give you all the praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. So, as uh, Penny said, we are doing the Advent Conspiracy, and I'm talking about Give More which you might be a bit confused because um, obviously last week with Bruce was spend less and so you might be thinking, well, that's a bit of a contradiction but hopefully it'll all make sense. Um, we are trying to turn Christmas right side up as the video indicated there and to bring Jesus back to the centre of Christmas and focus what it's really all about. And I do love that we're doing it in November, that we can really prepare our hearts and, and Advent, so liturgically, that's a big word for this time of the day, right? The traditional church liturgical calendar Advent was the 1st of December, right, through to the 24th of December, and then we celebrate on the 25th, obviously. Maybe that's why people get their knickers in and not about putting their tree up early. Do you think that's why it is? Who put their tree up before the 1st of December? Who, who are those people who are treeers? Yeah. And who's strictly December is when it goes up? Yeah, there's a few of those two. Whatever works for you, I say. But really, Advent, that time leading into Christmas, is a time of hope and anticipation, of expectancy, and uh, a time of really preparing our hearts for Jesus. And uh, often December doesn't feel like that, though, does it? It's the, quite the opposite. So as, as we said, we, we are conspiring, we are plotting and scheming as a church to think of ways that we can really bring the real meaning of Christmas right to the surface again. And to live in this season in that way is actually quite countercultural. It, it, it goes against what your neighbours will be doing. It'll go against what your colleagues at work will be doing and what people are doing at school. And, and so I really encourage you to, to be brave enough to be countercultural. And it's exciting to think how a few simple changes might actually be able to really radically change our communities around us. And, you know, we've done this series a few times over the last few years and um, you can sort of start to think, why are we doing it again? Well, I tell you, it didn't sink in for me the first time. So I'm, I'm hoping that as we do it each year, a little bit of that information that starts here can actually lead to transformation and we can make a heart change on it. And I hope that maybe you can kind of take some snippets from today as well and do that. So I'm hoping just to give you some examples. I'm, I'm into concrete examples as a teacher and um, maybe you can take one small thought away with you or maybe you might like to really radically transform the way your family does Christmas. That's entirely up to you. Um, but let's start a conversation as a church family, hey, about how we can do Christmas differently this year. So the idea of give more, I really think that the, the concept of it is not actually anything to do with what we give. It's not about which gift we choose to give or the amount that we choose to give. It's entirely, I think, about how we give. And so that's what I want you to really take home from, from this morning's um, message. And so I'm going to give you some keys, I suppose, as to how we can give more, not what we can give more. And so my first point that I'd like to share with you is that we can give more relationally. Now, I was thinking back on all my years growing up and uh, the Christmases, I suppose, of my primary school and high school type years, thinking back on highlights and, you know, standout presents that I could remember over those years. And um, so I, I realised I'm originally from WA, 
I was born in Perth and we lived there until I was almost six and then we moved to Brisbane um, was, uh, we were there until I was almost 12 and then we moved down um, here to the Hawkesbury at that point. And so for most of those years that I was reflecting on, it was mostly just me and my sister and my mum and my dad, so the four of us sharing Christmas together because my relatives were either in WA on my mum's side or in the UK for my dad's side. So there was a couple of years where people came and joined us at our house for Christmas and they visited. But for most of the time, it was just the four of us. And that was great. It was, it was awesome. And uh, then one year, the year I was 11, we were still in Queensland at this time, we saved up that year and we flew back to WA for Christmas in 1987. So I was 11 years old and I was so excited. And when I think back on this Christmas in particular, I can still picture the scene all the relatives, <laughs> the rellos, anyone else call them rellos? Big masses of cousins and aunties and uncles and my nana and more cousins. <laughs> and we were the youngest of the cousins because my mum was the youngest of her generation and so we just thought all these big cousins were amazing. And the great aunties and uncles who, you know, can't help themselves but say, oh, you're so big now, you know, because I wasn't five anymore, I was now 11. And uh, just the food spread out and, the, you know, all of the beautiful conversations and catching up with cousins and aunties and it was all about just gathering with all these people. And I thought, did I get presents? <laughs> I'm sure that I did, right? I'm sure I can still picture the beautiful, you know, the posh front room at the front of my auntie's house with the tree and the presents underneath. But I honestly couldn't tell you what I got as a present that year. Couldn't tell you. I'm sure I was spoilt but I don't know what I was given. The standout memory, even now, 30-odd years later, is the people. And the gift, really, that my parents gave me that year was the saving up over the course of that year. And we had this whole um, needs, not wants mantra as we were saving as a family to do it. Uh, that was the gift. So we could spend relational time and the effort that it took to fly back and to do that, that relational time really was the biggest gift. And, you know, woven throughout the whole Christmas narrative for us is this idea of bridging relational gaps, of making relationships really matter. And bringing Jesus into the world in a human form was God saying that he would do anything to have relationship with us. That we matter so much that he would send his son for us. That he wanted to bridge that gap so that that relationship could be ongoing. And we know this first, John 3.16, it'll be up on the screen for you. For God so loved the world... He so loved the world. We, we gloss over, we keep going all the way to the end of the verse, but he so loved you. He so loved each person in this world that he would do anything. He sent his son for us. He gave us his son so that we could have everlasting life. And what that everlasting life looks like is life with him, right? And so he would do anything for us. And the truth is, is that gift was entirely relational, entirely and so here's our model, and you know that really inspired me when I realised that. John 1.14 says, The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And then I really like in the message translation, it actually says, The Word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighbourhood. <laughs> you know, just love how that really sort of shows us. You know, he's there side by side, he's, he's around us, he's with us, he's doing the journey of life with us. And in Isaiah, it says, and I'm going to read this from the message. You might be familiar with this from a more traditional uh, translation, for unto us a child is born. You know, there's beautiful songs that are written um, from that verse. But this is from the message. It says, for a child has been born, for us, the gift of a son, for us, 
He'll take over the running of the world. His names will be Amazing Counselor, Strong God, Eternal Father, Prince of Wholeness. His ruling authority will grow and there'll be no limits to the wholeness he brings. He'll rule from the historic David throne over that promised kingdom. He'll put that kingdom on a firm footing and keep it going. With fair dealing and right living beginning now and lasting always, the zeal of God of the angel armies will do all this. God is zealous for us. He is so zealous for us that he would give us his son and bridge that relational gap. So this is the whole point of Jesus coming and the point of Christmas. You know, it's not really surprising, I guess, that if you were to ask your neighbours or someone down the street, what do you love about Christmas? What do you do at Christmas time? What's one of the first things they're going to say? Oh, I spend time with my family. I see, I catch up with my family and friends. And that's the highlight. And then they'll say giving gifts. And it's not really surprising because that's actually what God set into motion himself. It's just that we all got a bit sidetracked with the stuff along the way, right? So when we think about our own Christmas in our own family, how can we weave this into our own family's Christmas story? How can we factor in maybe more time with our loved ones? How could that actually be the gift that we give this year? You know, that we do something that maybe somebody in our family really loves to do. Maybe it's a Uh, a hobby or a a, a particular skill that they like to explore or a place that they like to go and we do it with them. Maybe that is the gift. We actually um, celebrated Marcus's dad's 80th birthday yesterday and at 80, he he doesn't need stuff, right? Like he's got, if he wants something, he can go and buy it or it was like, what do we give him? And so we actually gave him this sort of made up um, gift certificate with the dates of four St George Dragons games because he follows the St George Dragons and so does Evie, so she was very excited, that he's going to go to with us. And now I might opt out on a couple of them because I'm not really that into NRL, but the girls love it. So one of them is, you know, Evie's team, one of them is Marcus's team, one of them is... And he was so excited that he had this kind of four games mapped out over the next 12 months that he knew he was going to spend time with the family. It wasn't the gift of the ticket itself that was exciting for him, it was that he was going to share it with everybody else. So maybe you can create some opportunities in your family where you can give more of yourself relationally more of your time and less of the stuff okay now the second thing is kind of interconnected but the second way we can give more is to give more intentionally now some people really do take the stuff to extremes I'm going to show you a photo I think the team have got it (laughs) this is fairly epic this is a lady in the UK in 2015 who uh, shared her Christmas snaps on social media and whatever, and then it went viral because people saw this picture and went, what? Share, share, share. Hundreds of thousands of shares later, some of her friends, a friend at some point tagged her in it and said, hey, is this your tree? And she's like, oh, my gosh. So mum shaming right here. They were, like, bagging her out for spoiling her kids. And then there was an article in the newspaper and everything, and she actually spent a couple of thousand pounds. So what's that in dollars? Like maybe five grand or something like that? She bought 85 presents for each of her three kids. 85. Sorry, girls, you're not getting that this year. 85. And so then they reflected on it and they put her on some reality TV show. And the next year, she was just like, yeah, I'm doing it again. Only this year I've got 96 presents for each of my three kids. So she wasn't actually uh, restraining herself at all. Look, we're not that extreme by any means. Although occasionally when we get together with all the um, extended family and everyone brings their presents, it does look a little extreme, but not quite that bad. But last year as a family, we decided to actually put some of the Advent conspiracy ideas into practice in a bigger way. We had a family discussion. Marcus and I talked about it, and then we talked about it with the girls as well. And that we decided that we would forego the mountain of presents altogether. 
and we would have one present each under the tree. One thing that the girls had indicated that they really would like, you know, they still had something to unwrap, something we could sort of share that moment with. And you see, I don't know about you, but the lead up to Christmas for me, I would describe it as a, often a hustle. Anyone relate? It's a bit of a hustle. You know, you try to put these Advent conspiracy things into practice, but I'm a high school teacher. I try to finish the year well. My job actually ramps up through term four. It doesn't wind down. So I'm go, go, go all the time. And you're trying to finish the parties and the presents and the menu planning. Although I do actually love menu planning. I shouldn't include that in there. That's the fun bit. Uh, You know, you've got all these end of year things that you just have to do and you've got to squeeze buying all the presents, even if it's not quite that extreme, in there somewhere. And so, for example, our girls are readers, they're big readers, so I might go and choose books for them, I'd go to Dimmicks and I'd spend time making decisions, so it'd be like maybe three books for you and three books for you and three books for you and then I'd go, oh, they really need some clothes, so I'll go and I'll, I'll choose some clothes from that shop and, and a couple of clothes from that shop and then this thing and that thing and before you know it, you've made 30 decisions and that's not extreme, that's not that mountain of presents, that's just like a present of books and a present of clothes and we just went, no, we're going to cut all of that out, we just did away with it all together, one gift each. And it completely simplified the Christmas hustle, the lead-up. And instead, what we decided to do was we booked a little unit in the city and for, just for two nights. Uh, it wasn't anything flash. In fact, the aircon didn't work very well, so we might not go back to that same place again, but that's another story. But close enough to Christmas that it was still in the spirit of things. The, the decorations were still up. It wasn't that crazy kind of Boxing Day vibe. It was, um, it was just still summer and it was Christmassy and we just spent time together intentionally and we shared experiences and we ate meals together. We went out and we had yum cha, which we love to do, and had um, dinner down at Cockle Bay Wharf and it was simple things. We just shopped and we walked and we talked and we laughed and we explored new places together. We had fun. And we came away with the books and some clothes. I gave them a little budget at Dimmicks and said, go choose your books, you know, and we did it together. And it took the hustle out of the lead-up, but it actually brought joy because we were able to kind of just enjoy doing that thing together. And I think as soon as we'd finished the trip, we all kind of went, oh, let's do that again. You know, the girls have been talking, I think, since last January. You know, are we we still doing it again? We're still still doing that thing? Like, yeah. I think that really worked. Now, that worked for us as a family. We've got teenagers. Ten years ago... I don't think so much. Would it work for you, Shan, shopping with Abby? Maybe not. I don't know. Um, It works for us. So I encourage you, think about what stage of life your family is in and what it might look like for you to give more, actually, uh, intentionally. Maybe you can simplify things in some way in the lead-up. I know a lot of families do a Kris Kringle type of thing and it's one gift instead of ten. I think that's great. We did that for the first time last year with my family as well. And really connecting with each other intentionally and weave that relational stuff and the intentional stuff in together. And maybe here's the challenge for us. How can we use the same budget or less, because we want to spend less, but end up with a different result? Less stuff, more, more time together. That makes sense? Now, the third way that we can give more is to give more purposefully. Now, 2 Corinthians 9, 7 says, So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. Now, giving purposefully is both intentional and relational often, but it can also make a big difference in the lives of many other people. It's about thinking beyond ourselves and thinking beyond our own family, thinking beyond our own you know, life and our own world, and actually maybe giving to a cause giving to someone who's really in need. 
James 1.27 says, Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. I wonder sometimes whether that letting the world corrupt you is the materialism and the consumerism maybe, that it's really easy just to slip into at Christmas. You know, you walk through and you, you buy that $10 present for that person and a $10 present for that person and before you know it you've, you've just gone down a whole different tangent to what you intended to. So maybe we can really care for the equivalent of whatever the widows and the orphans looks like today. So maybe they are widows and orphans. Or maybe it's the single mum that lives next door that could really do with some extra support. Maybe it's you know, someone that you know at work who is just really doing it tough and you can really bless them in some way. Maybe you can serve in our community. I mean, our, the best example right now is our Christmas hamper appeal that we have going on through Hawkesbury Community Services, Strong Nation Community Services. Um, we actually, last year, we also purposefully, as a family, discussed giving financially to the hamper appeal that we were running at the time. We said, we're actually going to divert this amount of money and we're going to actually spend it on helping other people that need it more than we do. And so let's like, gather with our families, gather maybe even with our oikos, maybe with the people that you're doing life with and sort of think, how can we strategically conspire, if you like, to actually bless someone who really needs it. Or to maybe we can pull our resources and get some things for the Christmas hamper appeal this year. And you know, the amount actually isn't significant. It, again, it doesn't matter what it is that we're giving, whether it's $10 or $10,000, uh, it's about our heart, it's about how we're actually giving and, and what motivates us to do that. Um, you might be able to put one or two things under that tree, or you might be able to you know, buy something in bulk and bring that in, and both of those ends of the spectrum are powerful and purposeful and I'd encourage you to just you know do whatever you can um, maybe you can even be creative with what you have so little fun story I think it's fun anyway you can tell me what you think uh, how many of you have like one of those rewards cards you have in the supermarket like one of those everyday rewards or flybys or one of those sort of things so I've got an everyday rewards card and I don't spend any extra because I have it like I just tap it whenever I whenever I go through the checkout and whatever. And how many of you know after a little while you accumulate points and then they say, oh, you've got $10 you can spend. You're like, yeah, take that off my shopping. And for whatever reason, when I got my $10, I didn't spend it. I went, oh, no, no, I'll just I'll hang on to that for next time. And then you just go about your life and you do your shopping and before I know it, I've got $20. I was like, oh, that's cool. I'm like, oh, I might just save that up for something, you know, maybe closer to Christmas and whatever. And now I've got 50 and it's sitting there and I'm like, oh, that's really cool, you know. And I went through the checkout the other day and the lady was like, do you want to redeem your Woolworths dollars? And I said, no. She said, oh, you're saving it for Christmas. And I was, something like that. And I was like, oh, I'm conspiring here. So what I'm going to actually do, I was actually use it to buy all the stuff for the Christmas tree, right, and subsidise that shop. I mean, yeah, I could take $50 off my Christmas shop or however many dollars I end up with by the time I get to it. And I could do that. And yeah, it would help, sure. But I didn't have it to begin with, right? I didn't, I didn't ever have the $50 in my pocket, so why don't I use it to really bless someone else and really put purpose into those free dollars that I got from Woolies in the first place? I'm not saying you have to do the same, but I, just, I was like, oh, yes, I'm conspiring. So maybe there's something else that you can do that you get that you can use. It's already in your hand. And my last point, and if I could have the band come and join me up here, that would be awesome. Um, so hear me out on this one, but it is we need to give more hilariously <laughs> hilariously so we've had purposefully intentionally uh, relationally all these very serious things we need to give more hilariously now I'm not suggesting that we buy all the joke gifts here or prank each other 
Actually, I do love a good bonbon joke. Anyone else love a good... Actually, can I tell you my favourite one? What lies at the bottom of the sea and shivers? A nervous wreck? Isn't that great? <laughs> I had to tell you that one. What I'm suggesting here right, is joy. Can we give with more joy this year? Going back to 2 Corinthians 9-7, the second part of that verse. Let each person give as he purposes, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. Now that word cheerful in the Greek is something along the lines of hilaros, which is where we get the word hilarious and hilarity and so on from, hilaros, which just means willing and good-natured and joyfully ready. And it describes a real spirit of enjoying in giving that we just kind of, you know, sweep away any restraint or any concern. We just are just loving doing what we're doing, you know. And we can, like, you know the song Joy to the World? We always sing it at Christmas every year. That for me is like joy to the world. The Saviour has come. Like that is the whole point. That is why we do what we do. And we can have joy in giving intentionally. And we can have joy because we've maybe made some plans to give more of ourselves and less of the stuff. And regardless of our financial position, regardless of if we've got Woolworths dollars or not, we can afford to be the most joyful people on the planet because of Jesus, right? Now, I remember a number of years ago now, Marcus and I um, were doing some new Christian studies with a lady and her daughter, actually. She was a teenager at the time. Um, and it was in the lead-up to Christmas that we were doing these new Christian studies. And that Christmas was their first as a believer, their first as a Christian. And she was so excited. Like, she was just full of anticipation for Christmas Day. She couldn't wait to come in here and worship God. She couldn't wait to actually experience the fullness of Christmas with this kind of veil gone. I can see the world clearly now. I can see what Jesus actually is. I can see what Christmas is actually about. She was just so excited. It actually completely transformed their perspective on Christmas. And I wonder if sometimes we could do with some of that, if we could come into this Christmas season, come into Christmas Day even, not kind of going, oh, I'm so, so stressed, I'm so tired, but kind of going, this is about Jesus. This is Jesus coming in flesh to be with us and move into the neighbourhood. They were literally overflowing with joy that year. We can be really free to celebrate this year, and that's the countercultural bit, I think. Imagine how that might actually transform the world around us and our communities. I'm excited by that idea. But, you know, I understand that um, for, for some of us, Christmas is actually really hard. And I understand that sometimes, you, you know, you might be sitting there going, Claire, I haven't got any joy this year. It's just too much. It's just too hard. And so I really want to take just a moment now. Maybe you can just close your eyes while we pray. Just pop your, you know, your phones and your Bibles down and Close your eyes and just really look to Jesus at this point. And maybe there's been some really hard experiences for you this year. Maybe you've lost a loved one. Or maybe finances are really, really tight. And you're just going, I don't even know what that joy is. I don't know what that peace is. But I really want you this morning just to 
to look to Jesus. He is the Prince of Peace. He really is. And we know that the joy of the Lord is our strength. We don't have to manufacture it. It's straight from him. So if you're in that place where you know, all these things are well and good but you're thinking, actually, I'm really dreading it or I'm really feeling burdened by this season, I just want you to pop your hand up. Not, not so I can see it but just so that God knows you're pressing into him. Just pop your hand up and as a way of saying to God, I need some more of your peace. I need some more of your joy because things are pretty hard right now. Father God, I just I thank you that it is your peace and your love and your joy that transforms this world. And Lord, we lean into you this morning and we ask for your peace, for your joy. Father God, let it transform us personally, individually. Let our hearts be a throne for you, Lord. Let our hearts carry the love that you have for the world. And Father, I pray that we can take your burden because you tell us that it is easy and light, that we don't have to carry what's not ours to carry. And Father God, I just pray that for each person here that Christmas isn't the easiest of times. Lord, I pray that you bless them this morning. I pray that you lighten their load, that you really do give them a peace that surpasses all understanding. Lord, inspire us this morning. Inspire each of us with new and fresh ways to really carry your Christmas message, to give more of ourselves, to give more of your love, to give more of your peace and your joy, that we can anticipate your coming with such hope and gladness. And Father, I pray that as we go from this place this week, you will just give us new ideas, new inspiration, fresh eyes to see the world around us, Lord. And we just give you all the praise and glory. And we thank you for being with us. In Jesus' name, amen.